Welcome to the Morecambe Bay podcast with Nigel Thompson. So welcome to this edition of the Morecambe Bay podcast and we return to a site we came to over the summer. This is Eves Wood in Silverdale, probably one of my favourite parts of uh, the Morecambe Bay area to be fair. Very different day today, very different feel as well and of course all the trees have lost their leaves sadly and been affected very recently by a, a very severe storm which we'll perhaps talk more about in just a second. Um, I'm delighted to be joined by somebody who knows far more about this part of the world than I do and he's going to take us on a bit of a guide to what's happening now and, and hopefully perhaps talk about the future as well. Just to give us your full name and title, introduce yourself to our listeners. Yes, my name's Craig McCoy and I'm the area ranger for the National Trust for the Arnside and Silverdale area. Sorry to see as well around us um, quite a few evidence or bits of evidence of the effects of storm Arwen from a few weeks ago how badly did it affect the area yeah we did get hit quite quite badly um and i think as everyone's been talking about it wasn't just the strong wind it was a an unusual direction so a lot of the trees weren't really braced to to stand up uh, in that direction so we have been surprised a number of, of you know big strong looking trees that have succumbed uh, and we're still tidying up today um from some of that mess can you recover from that? I mean, do you term, do you start replanting trees, or can you coppice them? You know, what, what, once a tree has fallen, like the one over there, for example, is that it, or can, can it have a second life? Yeah, as as I'm sure you're aware, the National Trust, like a lot of the the conservation NGOs, are really pushing for more trees at the moment. Um, you know, we have some ambitious plans to to create space for 20 million more trees over the next 10 years uh, throughout the country. So we're really, you know, there'll be lots of planting going on. Uh, over the next decade, which is really important to get more woodland areas. But in places like this, in Eve's Wood, where there's already a well-established woodland, um, the pressure isn't really to, to be planting trees, because we think there'll be enough natural regeneration here. So this, is a, 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 this, this bit of woodland we're walking through now is considered ancient woodland, so this has had, had continuous tree cover since the earliest maps, since the earliest records, so over 400 years ago. So it's a bit of a natural process. These big storms will come through every so often, take out a few of the big trees, but that, that will create a natural canopy gap and let light in. And if you look around, there are you know, thousands of little saplings just waiting for their opportunity to get a bit of light, and they'll very quickly fill the space. So at first, it does look drastic when you see some of these big trees blown over and very sad. But as a woodland as a whole, we've got to think of the bigger picture that actually it's not all disastrous. Um, the woodland will still be here. There's lots of trees have survived. The lots will, will take their space. And when the tree, when the tree falls over, it, it doesn't necessarily die. Sometimes some of the roots are still attached into the ground. And we've been amazed to see, and we'll, we'll see some examples of trees that have blown over years ago, but they're still growing. They're, they're sprouting from the base um, and sort of you know, rising from the dead. Uh, I had a colleague of mine who, who always described them as phoenix trees, which I thought's a great example where you, you, you sort of, you've seen it blow over, you thought that's it, but actually it, it, it survives and, and regenerates. Um, so yeah, so it's not all, not all bad thing. Cycle of life, isn't it? It's just, it's just part, of, part, part of nature. Some of the trees that you can't, that haven't um, survived perhaps, that you haven't had to fall, you can hear one of your colleagues in the background hard at work with this uh, chainsaw. I mean, can you, can you make use of the wood itself? Could it be kind of fashion? I've heard it's talked of it being used for things like gates and fence posts, things like that. Yeah, yeah, so it, it's, you know, we don't, we don't want it all to go to waste. And, you know, woodlands that are around today have probably survived because 
because they were managed as a as a timber commodity in the past. You know, so so woodlands weren't necessarily these sort of wild, forgotten wildernesses. They they were worked on. They were managed. There was there was value in them. Hence, they were protected. So so yeah, traditionally people would have would have been working away in woods like this all winter, and um, you know harvesting the materials. Uh, so today, yeah, we're not we're not building as many houses with with timber. We're not doing all the big boat building, uh, but you know timber can still be useful. So so locally, we we have a local volunteer, for example, who who if a, if a tree blows over, he 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 has a good eye, and he'll plank it up and and create some lovely benches, uh, handmade benches that we've put around some of the sites. Uh, he's made these lovely gates that I'm sure people locally will, will see, these hand-cleaved gates. Um, there are other materials that can be used, so people will often um, you know, take, take lumps of wood away for, for, for wood turning, making bowls and candlesticks and just hobbies like that. There's a guy I was just on the phone with t- this morning who, who comes to harvest some sticks every year to make, to make walking sticks. There's another fellow that makes longbows with the U. Um, so there's people out there with crafts and skills that can still utilise the, the timber for, for all these you know, great ideas and great, great hobbies. You know, the National Trust still sells some firewood to local people, so it does bring in a little bit of money that helps go, go towards the, the conservation work. We like to leave a lot of wood lying, as you can see some of these examples, oh, yeah. these, these sort of logs that are just lying here. And although they might look dead, they will be absolutely full of life. So, so dead wood, rotting wood, is a really important habitat in, in a woodland. Um, it'll be full of all sorts of um, invertebrates, so beetles will be laying their eggs in there and the beetle larvae will be tunnelling away, gnawing at the dead wood. There'll be lots of fungi and, and other you know, microorganisms living in there. You know, any cavities that are produced will be good for you know, cavities for, for nesting birds or bats. Can't have enough dead wood in a, in a place like this. So again, a lot of it we, we deliberately leave to rot down, uh, and again, it's all part of the natural natural process. You know, this isn't a civic park in the middle of a city centre. This this we want this to be a natural habitat. It is a triple SI, a site of special scientific interest, to recognise all the amazing um, wildlife that's here. Um, and I think people have to remember when you think of a woodland like this, it's not just about the trees. Um, there's so much more here. There's so much life. You know, either growing on the trees, like the lichens and the fungi, or in in the leaf litter in the soil. Um, there's so much more here. All the all the um, the ground flora. If we came back in the spring, you'd see all these woodland flowers. Um, so a woodland like this, it, it's not just about the trees. In fact, sometimes the the most biodiverse parts of the woodland are the the glades and clearings where there are no trees at all and the sunlight's getting in. And again, that's part of our habitat management to to create a series of these little glades. So we do this coppicing every winter um, to let sunlight in temporarily, let all those sun-loving things respond and and, and thrive. And then eventually those trees that we've, we've coppiced will regrow from the base and they'll shed that area out again. But by that stage, we'll have created another coppiced area nearby. So all those plants can seed there and the insects can move and that again is really important to keep that cycle that patchwork and a mosaic so a woodland like this isn't all the same conditions throughout the woodland it's a whole mixture of conditions and it's it's a very dynamic system so it's changing and moving we're cutting things down but letting them regrow and so much wildlife thrives in that changing conditions it's really difficult to sort of hold a habitat 
a, a, in its exact condition year after year. So we realised it's, it's much easier just to work with those natural processes, let change happen, encourage change. I'm Emma and I'm one of the rangers at Anside in Silverdale working for the National Trust. We're just tidying up from a work party we had yesterday, just finishing off cleaning up the few fallen trees and then having a bit of a fire and habitat piling the rest. Started as an assistant ranger and moved up to ranger, um, but just working here at Anside in Silverdale. What did you get out of it? Why, why did you join? I joined because I wanted an outside job and I like the physical side of it. Um, I'm from a farming background so I kind of wanted that outdoor conservation kind of job. Um, and we get out of it a lot of benefits. Like this time of year, we're doing a lot of habitat work. Um, we come back in the summer and we get to do surveys and we see what's benefiting from the work we've done. And I find that really satisfying. So in five years, and you must have seen quite a few changes of things you started, you know, in the yeah. first first year you come back and yeah, is that, how's that feel? Definitely coming back over now and thinking, oh yeah, that's where we did that coppicing work like five years ago and it, it's really good. It does take a while to see the benefits sometimes, but now I am starting to see it, which is quite nice. Okay, I'm going to say, what a great feeling if you've had a hand in it and it's, it's benefited thanks, thanks to yourself. Yeah, especially when we get some nice comments from the volunteers and members of the public saying how good it looks. You think, oh, that's nice, we've done a good job there. Uh, <laughs> is, that good, is that good fun working with volunteers? They must all bring something different, you know, different backgrounds and skills and, you know, comments maybe and, you know, just, just being, being involved for free. It's nice. Yeah, it's probably my favourite part of the job, working with the volunteers. Um, we have a good laugh, usually at my expense. <laughs> but no, it's lovely, and just to see all the different people, because we get students in as well who are volunteers, who it's nice to sort of teach them and see the next generation of ranger coming up. It's quite nice to be able to share what we do with so many different people, really. Uh, and what do you think of this area? Are you from? I'm from Morgan Yorkshire. All right, so right. I've come over to this side. Um, you got a pass out a passport. I did, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah so... Yeah, Anside Silverdale and B, it's lovely. It's a brilliant place to work. Roger Hanna and live just outside Lancaster. Oh, well, so you've travelled yeah. in to, to volunteer? Well, yeah, it's about 10 miles or so, so it's not far, yeah. And you were just saying this is the f- fifth anniversary you've uh, been involved? Yeah, 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 since I retired, yeah. So, you know, it's a good way to keep fit. Well, we just uh, fell in some uh, coppice in some trees and, uh, you know, they've gone into the farmer's field, so we have to you know, cut them up and get them back onto our land and put them in piles for habitat or burn it. Some people, yes, I got my five-year award yesterday, but some people got the 20, wow. 20 uh, year. Oh, volunteer. Yeah, yeah, I mean, some yeah. of them are in the sort of yeah. 80s. Yeah. Which says a lot, doesn't it? It must, uh, must be good for you, so if you can volunteer into your 80s, well, that's, yeah, that's incredible. Well, yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah. It's all about the bay. The Morecambe Bay podcast. Very dramatic uh, <laughs> with the forestry going on there. I'm glad that wasn't on film. <laughs> <laughs> you were saying before about you know, the fact that you are very much part of the AOMB, you know, part of Anside and Silverdale, um, area outstanding natural beauty. I mean, you know, mile or two over there, I think, is Lake Moss, for less than a mile, actually. Yeah. You know, you've, you've got you know, the Kent estuaries over there, Morecambe Bay, and you've got a fantastic job. You're kind of in the, right in the middle of it, managing this, this part yeah. of, the, of the world. You know, you must have to work very carefully to make sure that you know, the action you take here doesn't perhaps undermine or doesn't swamp you know, other action that's been taken elsewhere. So do you, do you sort of work together and, you know, talk about how you're going to manage areas like this? Yeah, yeah. So within the AONB, there's, there's really good cooperation uh, and we do meet together and, you know, share information quite regularly. Um, there's a what we call a local nature partnership 
um, which we, you know, we, we sit on along with, with a lot of these NGOs and Natural England government body uh, and, and, and other landowners. So it's, it's really important to sort of discuss what we're doing and make sure, as just as you say, to make sure we're not, we're not doing something different than our neighbours are doing. To, and we can all help each other. And, you know, wildlife doesn't respect boundaries and ownership. So, so again, you know, we can, if we're, you know, if we're trying to do a bit of coppicing uh, in the likes of Eveswood, you know, we, we can target places against the boundary where we know our neighbour had coppiced some a year or two before on the other side of the wall, knowing that the invertebrates that need that light loving area will be ready to move when his area regrows so if we can sort of create the next stepping uh, stone location for that wildlife you know that's perfect so again it's, it's taking advantage of what our neighbours are doing because uh, we're all trying to do the same thing we're all trying to help the wildlife um, so working together like that we've got a better much better chance of being successful. We mentioned before Storm Arwen, which I guess has probably, you know, damaged some people's habitats have probably taken a bit of a hit, you know, and hopefully they will recover. But when it comes to wildlife, last time we walked up here with your colleague Nancy, for example, we saw a deer just, just, just here, you know, mm-hmm. which was fantastic. Yeah. I've been coming around here for years. The nearest I'd been to one, you know, was that. But so how hard do you think you, how are you coping? How are you doing when it comes to kind of, you know, encouraging wildlife to flourish and nurturing it and perhaps bringing in new species as well? Somewhere like Eveswood, there, there is a lot of wildlife here. It's, it's, it's it's a busy place for visitors as well, so a lot of people walking their dogs and exercising. So things like deer that are quite shy, you may, you may not see them on this main path very often or come out early in the mornings and you will, and then they'll move off to somewhere a bit quieter during the day uh, and then they'll come out again in the evenings. So we see lots of signs of it. So we look around, we'll see browsing where they've been chewing you know some of the leaves of the, the the small saplings we'll often see footprints or dropping so we know the deer are here um, we want to make sure that the the deer population doesn't get so high that it's they're actually preventing natural regeneration of the trees so there's a few things we can do so so some areas like this area behind us when this was coppice some years ago we actually fenced it off with a tall fence oh, yeah. to prevent the deer from getting in so that gave it a few years of, of really good regeneration without it being all nibbled off by the deer. And then we were able, to, after two or three years, we could take the fence away because the regrowth is, is higher than what the deer can yeah. reach. Yeah. So you can see that's a really nice, dense um, tangle of, of regrowth. It may be a struggle for us to walk through there. It's so dense. So you know, that's what we're trying to create, that young, regenerating woodland. We've left a few of the big standards, the, again, these, these big spreading trees that will be the old trees of the future um, but again hopefully in 10-15 years time someone else will come through and coppice the same area take out all the young sort of 20 year old regrowth uh, and again leave leave these big standards to, to get even older um, so the deer, the deer are here they're a natural um, part of the habitat um, but we don't have the big predators anymore we don't have wolves we don't have lynx that would naturally be hunting um, the deer but unfortunately, dogs, you know, domestic dogs sort of act as that proxy. So every, every year we, we get reports of deer that have been attacked by pet dogs, which is a real shit. And, and I'm a dog owner, so, I, so I, you know, I'm not an anti, anti-dog. Um, but it is something we do, we do ask our visitors just to keep their dogs under control. They may not realise their dog running through the woods is you know, just having fun, but actually it can have that impact. Um, only yesterday we got a report of another dead deer fawn um, at Red Hills. 
which is sad. You know, again, killed killed by dogs. So so that's that's a shame, and that's you know for as animal lovers, dog owners, we don't want that to happen for for those those deer to, to suffer. Um, there is in the local area there is a local deer management group that keep tabs on deer numbers, and they they do some years have to go out and cull a few to keep the the numbers um, consistent because as I say they're a nat- natural part of the woodland community we want them uh, the deer that live here are roe deer so they're a native species but we just don't want the numbers becoming so much that either the deer themselves are, are struggling yeah. Yeah. or they're having that negative impact on the natural regeneration of the trees or they're being forced out of the area into people's gardens and onto the roads yeah. and, and being injured by cars, which, which again happens. There's always traffic accidents. But this, this local deer management group, again, they, they, they work over a lot of different land ownership. So they're, they're communicating with each other and the local shooting estates and, and things like that. So they know what the deer population is like in the total area. We're not just looking at Eveswood in isolation because the deer come and go. They don't yeah. live here. It's not a population that just live in the Eveswood. They move around the area. So again, it's important, you know, it's bigger than a national trust. We've got to get those bodies that are overseeing it in the, in the wider area to understand it. And then other species, the, the, there's some things that with a little bit of targeted habitat management, we can encourage wildlife to come back and we've been really successful. The, the coppicing is working well for a lot of the light loving things like, like the butterflies that this area is very famous for. Um, uh, the, there are some species that we think we need to give a little bit of a helping hand to. So there's there's um, a project running for a few years called Boom stands oh, yeah. for yes. for back on our maps, on our map, and yeah. we're we're involved with them. It's 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 lottery funded, but um, and managed through Cumbria University, um, but they um, have looked at a number of species mm. across different taxonomic groups that that should be in this area. Um, and dormice. Uh, so dormice is one of the Burgundy butterfly. You, you've, yeah. you've done your homework, you know. But that's great. So, yeah. so it's brilliant. So there's a few things. Yeah. Um, yeah. What do so you think of it? Is that a good thing from well, your point of view? Yeah, I mean, you know, there'll be there'll be some people say we shouldn't be tinkering. We shouldn't need to do that. It's you know, but but actually, we we've tinkered so much. Um, that you know to give things a helping hand is not a bad thing. So there's a, there's a few species that we're we're working with. So the green winged orchid is one, which which is a lovely sort of springtime orchid. We've got a, three sites in the National Trust locally that have them, but really only one site on on the lots in Silverdale where they're thriving, um, and they're doing really well there. There are thousands of these orchids in one field. So the Boom Project are looking at that and using that site to collect seeds germinate and grow on and this year they've been planting them out at some other local areas um, uh, to try to either reinforce existing weak populations or, or to introduce them to places where we feel they should be um, so that that's great and that that's you know really difficult growing growing orchids from seed is is notoriously difficult so Kew Gardens have got involved with their team of experts where they're growing them in laboratories and they have to isolate the, the, the mycorrhizae fungi that's needed for the seed to germinate and it's all very complicated and scientific but a great there's a project there that's really focusing on that the National Trust we, we provide seed source and a, and a bit of support but we wouldn't have the time to be doing or the funding to do all that but it's great to see things like that happening 
Um, Spike Speedwell is another one where we have one little population at Heathwaite. But again, that's another one with the Boom Project that have been really successful at collecting some seed, propagating them. We now have surplus that we're planting back out at some places. So it's early days, but there's there's been some really good success. You've obviously heard about the Dormouse Project. Um, so last year there was a reintroduction, well earlier this year, sorry, there was an introduction to, within the A1B, there's some further introduction planned for next spring. Um, and again, there's so much, generally in this area, there's some really good habitats. There's about 30% woodland cover. So it's a place where dormice should be. Um, so hopefully they'll do well. And certainly the early indications from this year is that you know the ones that were introduced have bred already. So, so, so they're yeah, doing well yeah, and well spreading yeah. from where they were released. So fingers crossed we'll we'll see them throughout this area in yeah. the future. It's quite exciting for it because you're managing an area and you're kind of you know obviously thinking that you know five, ten, fifteen, twenty years ahead, you know, you probably won't be doing the same job. I mean, hopefully you, you you might move on, but you know, you are kind of setting the seed, aren't you? You're kind of making sure the area's gonna be better than it is now which must be quite satisfying but also imagine quite quite sad because i imagine you you, you <laughs> might not see it might you know in 20 30 40 50 years longer you yeah, know, it's, yeah how do you feel about that that you kind of yeah. you, you're setting in train now something that people uh -huh. future generations will will enjoy yeah no you're absolutely right I, I mean i feel very privileged to be you know play a small part in in you know influencing places like this um but you're right, it's thinking so well in the future. I, I'm only playing one little part. It's like, it's like a relay race, isn't it? You know, I, I, there were people working here before me and I'm so grateful of what they've done and, and, and you know, allowed us, the, the current Ranger team, to sort of inherit some really good sites that have been really well looked after in the, in the past. Um, we'll, do, we'll play our little part, but then pass that baton on to someone else. And again, it's, it's why it's important to have these, these management plans and sort of visions and to share information so that, that, that in the future people will come in and hopefully run with that and continue the, the same thought process. And, and opinions change and you know, scientific advice changes. And again, that's, that's why it's important to keep up to date with you know, current research um, and monitoring is really important. Um, and, but on the whole, you know, woodlands like this will be managed for, you know, ho hopefully in a similar way uh, well into the future. Uh, and if it's not by me, it'll be it'll be someone else. So so yeah. So I feel privileged to be to be to be part of that one one small one small stage in that you know thousand year you know timetable of a woodland like this. Well, I hope you're here for a good while yet. Anyway, I was, I'm not trying to write you off. It's, it's prematurely, I promise. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, what about um, the pandemic then? I mentioned like I said before many people finding. You know, there's a good place on the on the doorstep and probably making good use of it. It's gone yeah. quiet now, but we've passed a good few people out with the dogs and things like that. Yeah. Has it had much of an impact on the area? You know, you see more and more people. Car park was full today, for example, midweek, yeah. which I, mm. I suppose is a bit unusual, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it's yeah. Obviously, the pandemic's been hard for everybody, hasn't it? I mean, it's 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 a horrible situation we're in. But yes, we've definitely seen how more and more people are are realizing how important it is to get outdoors. Mm. Um, get our fresh air, you know, so good for our, our mental well-being. Uh, you know, walk in the woods is, is, you know, it's so relaxing. It's, it's what we all need. Um, so, yes, there's definitely been greater number of visitors than, than ever before. The last two years, we've, we've really seen that pick up. Um, and that's great. You know, it's exactly what the National Trust is all about. You know, it's why it was founded to, to encourage access to the countryside so that everybody ha has that, that, that sort of, yeah, access to green space and fresh air. Um, and we we need people to value places like this so that they, you know, that they 
you know, if they're enjoying it and utilising it and valuing it, they'll support us in the work we're doing. You know, as a charity, we, we rely so heavily on on the public, either you know their their mem- annual membership uh, membership subscriptions or making donations or just coming to to our our properties and spending money in the tea room uh, to to generate the cash um, that will then help look after these sites. More and more, we're finding you know people very generously leaving legacies, leaving money in their wills for particular projects. Is the birds around us? There's a couple over there. A bit of a yeah, scrap so of things. You hear this really amazing. high-pitched noise. These are long-tailed yeah. tits. And again, I, I love long-tailed tits. They're just, they come through in little flocks. They're always busy. They never seem to stop for long. They're always flitting and moving. And in the, in the autumn, winter, you get these little flocks of them coming through, just looking for, for little insects and things. Um, but yes, there'll be a whole variety here. And again, you know, we're standing in an area that was coppiced maybe six years ago. So it, it, it feels a bit more... O- open to the to the sky there's a lot more light but a real dense undergrowth here uh, where if you we turn around to this side that we've just coppicing at the moment um, in the last year or two it, it, it it's really open and sunny uh, and the spring will be lots of you know interesting flowers on the on the on the floor but it, in a few years we'll see the trees regenerating that tangle of bramble um, it, it'll change year by year by year and actually as we walk along this path you'll see the different stages where we've done a different mm. section each year yeah. so you can see that process happening um, you know there's a few big trees that were been uh, that have either been been damaged in the in the recent storm or we've decided to fell them to let the light in and again it's that coppicing so these these stumps that are left behind will regrow um, the and but in the meantime it's let the light in so this coppicing process, although it looks quite drastic, felling these big trees, it it's actually will benefit the woodland habitat. And in a few years, we'll see what's behind us, which is clearly, you know, healthy, regenerating woodland. Uh, so yeah, it's really nice to to see the the birds and the and the insects and things u- utilizing these open areas. We were talking. One of the questions you mentioned earlier was about you know visitors to the site and this increase in visitors. And yeah, we, we think it's great. Like it's really good to see more people coming and enjoying the countryside and valuing the countryside. Um, and we've 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 definitely noticed a lot of people who um, maybe aren't used to being in the countryside. Yeah. Um, so that's that's great. It's like a new audience. It's you know new people coming. Uh, hence, you know, when you chatted to my colleague Nancy ab- about us putting in these waymark trails. Uh, we find they've been really popular um, where you know people who maybe aren't that familiar with the countryside or that confident when they come to a place like this it can be a bit daunting where they don't know where to go you know there's no reception here there's not members of staff to point them around um, whereas these very basic waymark trails or you know a, a downloadable trail that people can follow on yeah, their yeah. phone We've, we've been amazed at how many people we see walking around, staring at their phone, following this suggested trail. And, you know, the likes of Eve's Wood, there's a whole network of footpaths. So, you know, we want people to go and explore and get lost and discover new parts of the woodland. And, that, and that's brilliant. But for those people that need that little bit of guidance, it, we find it gives people the confidence to get out and follow this trail that hopefully takes in some of the highlights uh, and leads them back to the car park. Um, and we, we've really seen a big increase in people. There's a, a friend of mine, one of our one of our local volunteers, is a, is a keen ornithologist. He he lives in Silverdale, and he he will go for a walk from his front door uh, with a pair of binoculars. And he obviously knows what he's doing, but he'll spend the afternoon walking around the local area, ticking off how many birds he sees. 
And it, he told me, I think his record was something like 82 species in one afternoon. Uh, so to be able to walk out of your front door and see 82 species of birds within a walk is incredible. Right. And it just yeah. shows you the variety yeah. of habitats that he'll, you know, he, he'll go to those key places to tick off those rarities. Uh, where for most of us, it would take us a year to see that number, wouldn't it? <laughs> Is it changing now? We're talking about you know things like climate change. You know, talking today, it's, it's unusually mild. It's kind of yeah. you know not cold, and it, it's probably what nine, ten degrees. Does that is that going to have an effect? Do you think on a place like this? You know, the, we've mentioned about the, the work that you've been doing in nature, taking its mm. course, but yeah. you know, man-made in another way with climate change. Do you think that's having an effect on what's growing here or what isn't growing here? Well, yeah, and there there is evidence of that. I think things are changing, and this Morecambe Bay area it, it, it's quite it's quite interesting because we'll get it, it's generally mild because of the influence of the bay. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll get a lot of species that are living in this area that you would normally associate further south um, in sort of warmer conditions. So we'll get a lot of things, you know, pretty much on their northern extreme of their natural range. Yet we'll also get some northern species that will come this far south and be in the very southern extreme of their natural range. So in terms of monitoring from an ecological point of view, um, it's here that we will see change happening, where where either new species will come in or we will lose species that that are being pushed northwards. And we are seeing that. Um, And there's been some, you know... you could argue it's, it's some positive things to see new species that weren't here before, uh, but some, some other species are struggling as they're getting forced out. So that, that yeah, is a concern. Um, we need to make sure that those species can move. Uh, and again, it's like what I was talking before about linking through with, with making sure that there is the ability for, for things populations to move into our neighbouring land and further afield. Um, so, you know, to try to conserve a little reserve like this on its own, um, we'll, we'll, it's not, it's not going to be successful for, for a lot of species. Um, they'll just, if the conditions here become unsuitable, they've got, they've got nowhere to move if, if they're surrounded by an unsuitable habitat. So just talking again to neighbours and allowing, you know, linking those areas together and thinking ahead, um, we've got to make sure. Uh, and there is, there is a lot of stuff we can do. So making sure woodlands like this have a good, a good mixture of tree species is important and a mixture of edges of trees is important. So again, it's just a creating that, that, that variety of conditions so that it, it, and then when we have things like these tree diseases that come in, like yeah. the ash dieback, yeah. um, you know, that's a big concern because ash is quite a dominant tree species here. So if we, if we lose the majority of our ash, we will also lose a lot of the invertebrates and lichens and things that, that are associated with ash. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, we're looking at what, what other tree species might work as a bit of a proxy. Oh, so yeah. we're looking at, are there other you know, trees that, that we should be encouraging here or even planting in here if we're losing ash um, so that these other invertebrates and things can, can live on those. Um, and we don't know what the next tree species disease will be. Um, so we've got to we've got to think long term. So if we had a woodland dominated by one or two species and we, we lose one of those, then it'll have a devastating impact. But if we can have a good mix throughout our woodland, um, then then again the the woodland community um, is is going to be a bit more resistant to change, um, or at least provide those conditions for to allow change. 
Um, uh, so again, that's that's one of the things we, we're always thinking of. Um, what you say about the area being perhaps a barometer for wildlife, but I guess also for these diseases as well. Because I suppose because of where we are, we have traffic and with you know, just physically in the country around the centre of the UK, that you know if if something's going to happen, it might well it could happen here, couldn't it? Because it's because of where we are on a crossroad, flight paths, things like that. Yes. So yes. you know, I guess in a way, you're yeah. you're the centre of um, mm. a lot of for a lot of reasons, a lot of species, but also you know just just in general how how the UK is coping with climate change or disease or, or whatever. So mm. so no pressure then. You've got. Quite <laughs> other things to think about we all do i think everywhere and and again we you know we're so lucky within the national trust but also all of these you know ngos these char- conservation charities we're all so lucky to have the great support of local people and volunteers so you know we talked about monitoring we we have volunteers that will throughout the summer will be going out every week monitoring butterflies for example um that that are a really good barometer of change and, and habitat conditions and climate change um we as as rangers wouldn't have the time to do that but it's to have that 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 army of volunteers that that citizen science people out doing that so so monitoring and recording or things like the you know the big garden um bird watch that the rspb do you know just just stuff you can do in your back garden it's all helping build up that picture and you know we're looking at long-term trends so we're not looking at you know from one year to the next necessarily it's long-term changes that we're we're trying to to look at so we need as much information as possible to to give us the strength and the the data to to, to come up with these these conclusions and it's brilliant to have to have people in their spare time doing that uh, and it's so important so monitoring anything even even species that seem common today um, might not be common in 10 years time uh, and you know just so so useful to, to to have a good sort of baseline of those populations today um and things you know thing, things that you know, might be seasonal uh so i know a lot of people will record things like 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 moths for example um where a lot of those will only come out as adults for a particular season but people are seeing their seasons changing, so they're they're emerging earlier or later. Uh, and again, even common species can be telling us something. So it's not just about population size and numbers and things becoming rare, but it's about their um, their natural ranges and their their flight seasons uh, can be telling us that something is changing. We might not understand what, we might not be able to control that, but at least it's giving us that warning that that. The natural world is, is is trying to flag up, trying to tell us something is changing here. We need to be ready to respond and help them where we can. Well, listen, I'm very grateful for your time. You give me a lot <laughs> to think about, and I'm sure listeners are very grateful as well. And I've got one last question for you. I can tell listeners, I'm sure, will detect not an North Lancashire accent. You've been yeah. here, I think, for eight years. What do you think there are more can be? You found, you made it your home. You work here as well. Uh-huh. What do you think of the area? What, what do you make of the area here? Oh, I, I love it here. I mean, I, I came from, from Northern Ireland. I worked for the National Trust over there for 12 years and, and loved the area I was working in. It was a beautiful, beautiful place. Um, but yes, when my wife and I moved moved over here to be closer to her family, I, I was a little bit torn because I knew I was leaving a job I loved. I was leaving a location I loved. But we we have absolutely loved it here. The Morecambe Bay area is fantastic. And um you know, we're settled here and have a you know a son of our own and we're 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 very happy and it's it's the variety like we touched on before there's so many 
um, places we can go and explore. There's so much open access here. Um, to be honest, we, when we moved here, we thought every weekend we'll be up in the Lake District Fells, yeah. but we, we hardly go um, because there's so much to explore here in our local countryside. Um, so we very, feel very, very fortunate. <laughs> Not always peaceful and quiet, though. When <laughs> <laughs> you've got Flight these airplanes moving yeah. over. Uh. Well, thank you very much for your time. Good to share some experiences of this fabulous part of the world, and good luck for the future. Thank you. Oh, thank you very much, Nigel. It's a, it's a pleasure to ch chat to you. And if you want to see some more pictures, go to our website. I'll post some pictures on there shortly. And uh, again, thanks, as always, for listening to the Morgan Bay podcast. This is Nigel Thompson. Until next time, enjoy the bay. Follow us and get in touch. Search Morecambe Bay Podcast on social media.